Hi, everybody. This is Matt and Ashley. We're going to have a little bit of an unusual episode today because on Sunday evening, we recorded a full uh, episode like normal. We talked about a bunch of fun stuff, um, and you will hear that episode. However, uh, literally minutes after we finished recording, news that had been circulating throughout the day on Sunday was officially confirmed that Tony-nominated actor Nick Cordero had passed away earlier in the day. And it was confirmed first in People Magazine, uh, People.com, and then by Nick's wife, fellow Broadway alum Amanda Klutz, on her Instagram. In a post, she said, quote, God has another angel in heaven now. My darling husband passed away this morning. He was surrounded in love by his family, singing and praying as he gently left this earth. I am in disbelief and hurting everywhere. My heart is broken as I cannot imagine our lives without him. Nick was such a bright light. He was everyone's friend, loved to listen, help, and especially talk. Uh, she goes on from there and has a, a really lovely, heartbreaking um, message uh, on on Instagram, which we will obviously um, link to as well. Uh, if you don't remember all the details of the story, in late March, Nick Cordero went to Cedar Sinai uh, dealing with some sort of lung issues, and despite having multiple false negatives, was eventually diagnosed with COVID-19. He was then um, placed into a medically induced coma so that they can treat what turned out to be a fairly advanced uh, case of COVID-19. Throughout his treatment, he suffered a number of other issues from infections to um, organs shutting down to blood clots to unstable blood pressure. They eventually led to having to have uh, Nick's right leg amputated to hopefully increase blood flow to vital organs. Despite that, almost a month after the amputation, he did wake up and had been awake for seven-ish weeks. We even had news from Amanda last week talking about him being able to communicate just with his eyes and not being able to speak because he was still super weak. She re she said last week on CBS's morning show to Gail King that they were hoping to eventually have um, a double lung transplant um, to allow him to do the things that he would love to do. But she said that she doesn't know if he'll ever he would ever work again. Obviously, um, that is not going to happen as he passed away at around 1130 uh, Pacific time on Sunday. As always, um, we want to mention the fact that there is a GoFundMe for Nick's family leaving behind both Amanda and his now one-year-old son who turned one while his father was in a coma. Um, it's raised over $601,000, but um, we highly, highly recommend that if you can to support Amanda and their family as much as you can, because um, I'm sure the medical bills are going to be extensive. Mm -hmm. um, so, Ashley, we wanted to make sure that we got this out there. The rest of our yeah. episode is fun. We talk about Hamilton. We talk about other streaming theater stuff. It, yeah. We wanted to make sure that we got this out there. But we do want you to at least be aware that it's going to be a little jolting hearing us talk about fun stuff after talking about this, but oh, yeah. we, we didn't want to leave you hanging and, and not report on this first. Right. And you, we had a discussion before doing the full episode. Cause as you said, uh, news had been circulating throughout the early evening before we recorded, but absolutely wanted to hear it from Amanda first mm -hmm. before exactly. doing any kind of coverage as was not the case for several hours. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to add. Just, uh, uh, my heart hurts so much for them and mm. wear your damn mask. Yeah. And for all of those people who talk about 
you know, the, oh, it's a 99%, you know, recovery rate. Right. The, One, the people have symptoms for two weeks and it doesn't matter if you have, if you don't have any pre-existing conditions. Nick didn't have pre-existing conditions. He was 41. Yeah. And this is what's happened. Yeah. It's, uh, Really a shame. Um, it, it's 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 a tragedy in the macro sense as well as the micro sense uh, because yeah. our country has continued to allow this to happen without having any sort of well formulated plan to prevent mm-hmm. this from happening to uh, thousands um, and and even more. I mean, millions of people have been diagnosed um, with this, and some have been asymptomatic. And that's great uh, for them. But even those that do recover, unfortunately, not like Nick did, some of them will never be able to live a normal life uh, again because of this. So there are people uh, that I mean, the the you're supposed to have symptoms and recover in two weeks. But there are people who I I have two friends as well who are, you know, both my age that have been going through four months of symptoms but are considered recovered. Like what, what, what are we doing? Yeah. Our, uh, our thoughts go out to Amanda and Elvis, their son and, and Mm -hmm. everybody, uh, you know, connected with Nick either personally or just as a fan. So, um, we're going to send you into the rest of this episode. Um, again, it's going to be a little jarring hearing us go from talking about this to, you know, joking around about Hamilton, but um, Mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure you had all of this information, uh, in the episode as soon as possible. But we're going to send it into the rest of the episode. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, July 6, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, um, we are going to yes. talk first and foremost about the Hamilton. The um, Hamilton. We're going to talk about that, the Hamilton, because there was actually multiple Broadway shows called Hamilton, both about Alexander Hamilton. I believe True. the first one was a straight play that came to Broadway in 1917, Correct. I believe. Correct. That sounds right. So. Yeah, it's yeah. in like that five-year gap. Yeah, not not the source material for Lynn's music. <laughs> right, course, just the book. We're going to talk, yeah, the Chernow book. But exactly. anyway, we are going to talk about... Um, our thoughts about Disney Plus's uh, live capture of Hamilton at the top of the show. Then I've got a couple things uh, in addition to that that I did over the weekend that were like the live Ooh. streaming, uh, theatrically related type stuff. So I'm going to talk about that at the end of the episode. But before we get into that, I want to remind you that on Sunday, James, Peter, and Michael had a great uh, topic for this week on Broadway in which they discussed... Um, movies that had not yet been turned into musicals, Ooh, but should. flip side. So, yeah, so a very interesting topic. So listen to that in your podcast feed. Don't forget that we have uh, all of our episodes come to you first in Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. So you can get on that first. As I said at the end of Friday's episode, I have an unsinkable interview coming up on Monday. Oh, wow. Uh, and, <laughs> that's, um, that's incredibly subtle. So I, are my hints ever so? I mean, sometimes they are. Sometimes, sometimes they're so they subtle, are. people don't get them. Sometimes, sometimes they are. Sometimes even I will not get them. That yes. one's that one's not it. No, I'm talking to Kathy Bates. Yes, on Monday. yes, no, yes. No, 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 no I'm not. Uh, but be, so get to Patreon so you can hear that episode first when it is released. But all right, Ashley, when we're recording here on Sunday evening, you we finished. Are. 
you finished the Hamilton like an hour ago. Not on even. Your first I fi- Not even. I finished Hamilton. We're recording uh, at eight forty. I finished Hamilton at eight fifteen. Okay, so since it is very fresh in your mind, uh, I want you to start. Let me know what you thought of the uh, Hamilton on the Disney Plus. It was so lovely. I, it was so beautifully done, and just you know, kudos to everybody who got it out into the world. I. <sighs> there's throughout quarantine i certainly have had my moments of course of like really missing theater like all the time but i mean especially really missing theater and this really did it for me (laughs) like oh no we need to get back was there anything in terms of because you've seen it on Broadway, I correct? I have, yes. I saw it was, there any, was there anything that stood out to you differently in this streaming version than maybe did when you were at the Richard Rogers? Oh, I mean, the end. I don't seem to remember that. Oh, With you don't – like, spoiler alert. Right. Like, the gas? You don't, I don't remember the rem- gas? I don't remember that. Oh, that's the thing that – hits me the most every time I've seen the show. So. I was wrecked by it. And for some yeah. reason, I don't remember that at all. Oh my so God. that yeah. was very strange. But I thought that is so... I mean, the whole final number gets me every time anyway. As soon as the orphanage yeah. happens, I'm like that whole, un- yeah. dead on the ground. So it doesn't matter. But genuinely don't remember the gasp. And, and that yeah. improves that ending exponentially to me. Yeah, it, uh, I first saw it with Lexi Lawson um, playing Eliza. Oh, nice. And, okay. Because that's not anything that's on the cast album. So it's like, right. you're. All, I'm already a mess from that whole song. And then it goes from like a six to a nine. Oh, when she starts yeah. talking about the orphanage. And then it goes from a nine to a spinal tap 11. <laughs> right. When, More. when the gas so happens. 17. Yeah. And uh, – You know, I spent probably the first, most of the first 45 minutes to an hour just in tears. Not because, as I said before, like, Hamilton's not my favorite show. Like, I I enjoy it and I like it and I appreciate it. But it's not like if I had to pick one thing to be streamed, it would be that. Sure. But I don't know if it was... Yeah, I, I, felt, I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Because I had the same reaction. I probably cried through most of Act One, and a lot exactly. of it was just uh, the audacity not, of it. The, yeah, exactly, exactly that. And and I felt the same way the first time I saw Hades Town, where even early on, like before, like any of the emotional stuff happens, like I was so you know moved by the the thought and the detail and the yes, intricacy and the yes. art of and, what I was seeing. And that and- came across so well in this prote. I mean, as we were discussed, they went through a thousand different angles for everything, trying to figure out what the best possible angle is. And they managed that because the impact of so many of these shots was just stunning and you know we talk about theater and how things are exaggerated obviously for the stage you can see it at any part in the house and obviously you're getting a lot of that on the pro tape but you're also getting just the nuance of everything as well yeah now there were there are some things that i was a little disappointed with because sure. I think we don't see enough uh, enough in my opinion of the ensemble work like we don't see Agreed. enough Agreed. of the choreography and it, and even because it was a lot darker I think than when we see it on stage like you don't notice that there's almost always ensemble members 
on the second level in the right. little porticles, um, you know, watching. That is a it's, part of it because you are getting like these close-up shots of actors. Yeah, and not it's clo- dark. Not like Tom Hooper style close-ups, but yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Uh, yeah, and so, therefore, therefore you're missing the whole scope of if you were sitting in the balcony and right. getting to see the whole stage at once. But on the converse, there's a ton of like little things that I have. I've, I've seen the show four times. It's twice on Broadway, yeah. twice on tour. And, um, I saw so many things like little interactions that I didn't right. get to see before, whether that's, um, <laughs> Lafayette in the, um, the, the, the marriage processional do, saying something to Peggy. And, and this one, Jasmine Cephas oh. Jones's reaction just was like, she was shocked. He said something right as they were breaking <laughs> from the line or little, you know, moments that the ensemble has or David had a ton of them where it's just like little oh, yeah. things that aren't oh, the yeah. focus that they're obviously doing something fun, whether that was staged or improvised or something that they right. came up with on their own. Which it was just is so what I was cool. going to say. I mean, yeah. that's so much the beauty of live theater anyway, is that every single performance is different. So yeah. what you're seeing, one show is going to be very different from the next. So whatever is exactly. coming across on this filmed version was very specific for this filmed version and that specific performance. And that's what we're getting. So, you, uh, and I'm, that's, I, that's such a big, reason why I'm an advocate of having professional versions uh, out in the world because it's you know, the argument there of if these things exist, then people won't go to see theater, which is just, as we know, blatantly untrue but for that reason, because it's different every single time. I completely agree. There's been an online discussion about opening up the New York Public Library archives and releasing all those, people don't realize that that's not that's It's not, not possible. remotely plausible, yeah. And it's just not the, the level quality of, is. Well, right. Also true. Like, people are really, you know, overestimating what actually exists in the archives. Yeah. But also, it's just not even feasible based on the negotiations that would have to go through for every single property and actor. It's not something that is going to happen. It's not something that... I think anybody is actually interested in happening on the production side of these things. I I would love it, uh, but I'm hoping what this actually does though, Ashley is incentivize folks to, uh, to, to push the unions. And it's not just actors equity. It's, it's the stagehands, it's the musicians, it's all of them. And as we've talked about before, the musicians union is, uh, is usually the one that holds things like this up. Yeah. But I'm hoping that members push their unions to encourage them to make plans because when these contracts were done, streaming evolved so quickly that they were probably not in the same world in terms of how streaming and how, you know, things like uh, oh, absolutely. Broadway HD or Fathom Events actually worked. You know, it was really interesting. <laughs> I don't remember who, where I heard it from, but someone said, you know, this was probably the most well-rehearsed cast for a three-day shoot of an independent film <laughs> right. in the history of the world. But then you go to think about it, it's also the highest uh, fee or whatever rate that any studio has ever paid to acquire a film. Right. So obviously not everything is going to be Hamilton. Not everything is going to make $75 million from Disney+. Plus. But right. if we are able to negotiate those rates down for all of the union members, perhaps someone like Broadway HD or perhaps someone like Broadway On Demand or HBO yeah. Max or Amazon or Netflix or whatever – 
might be able to make an investment in this. We've seen, we've talked about it, like HBO and Netflix making these these inroads to musical theater and theater and musical content. If we make it a little bit easier on them in terms of the budget, maybe we get more of them. And I hope that this mm-hmm. shutdown encourages those folks to to make those decisions yeah there's certainly a demand for it and that's blatant i mean other not just because it's hamilton obviously everybody on earth wanted Mm -hmm, to see hamilton but there's obviously a demand to have musicals be more accessible and you know obviously these services you still have to pay for in whatever form so it's not completely accessible but it's still more so than, you know, needing to go to New York to see the show. Yeah. And I'm so, totally fine. And I'm totally yeah. fine with them not being released until after the show's closed. I agree. Or after the tour's yeah. closed. That's fine. Whatever. Do your thing, producers. If you need to make money on it that way and you think that's the best way to do it, that's fine. But, I mean, this right. was filmed, what was it, 2016? Four 2016, years. Over four years ago. And obviously Hamilton's yeah. not closing anytime soon. But that's fine. Make the decision that's best for your production. But film them. You know, set up those contracts because I think it would go a long way. I'm also mm. somebody who doesn't think that Broadway is the only place you can see theater. I think there are tons of really great theaters uh, regionally that you can get correct. super cheap tickets for. If anyone uh, is going to advocate for seeing shows uh, at least off Broadway, it's me. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. And the same goes for for things regionally as well. But either way, uh, an incredibly moving and incredibly well done um, pro capture of Hamilton. And I got to say, it really uh, it really highlights the work of especially Renee Lee's Goldsberry and uh, Philippa Sue that I don't think necessarily comes through on the cast album. Like you hear them vocally, but the acting that both give uh, is is phenomenal. And obviously, David Diggs has gotten a ton of love over mm, the past few days since this so. was released. But for me, and maybe it's because, like, I, uh, you know, you don't get it as much, the virtuosity from the cast recording, but Philippa really stole the show for me oh, in, yeah. in her performance. That was absolutely uh, my thought. I, I had the same thought as far as Renee and Philippa, just, like, seeing their performances again, because their performances are just so memorable when you see them on stage and then as you said they really don't come across in the cast recording obviously their voices are beautiful and the songs are beautiful and they fit each other so well but you don't really get that as much as you do when you get to see it either live or in in this case on the screen and i was just so happy especially to get to see philippa again but i mean satisfied knocks me out every damn time and (laughs) i'm I'm really glad to get to see that again if nothing else i could have the the pro tape could have been satisfied on repeat for two and a half hours and i would have been (laughs) delighted 10 out of 10 oscar yeah, that and Guns and Ships together oh, is like, yes. Okay. yes. All right, Ashley, let's get into some real quick news. And then uh, I've got a couple of recommendations. Then we'll talk about the other things that I saw over the weekend. First up, last week, the Red Bull Theater announced the selections for their 10th annual 10-minute play festival of, quote, heightened language and classic themes. The theme for this year's festival is Private Lives, inspired by the Noel Coward classic comedy. The festival will be highlighted by new submissions from Jeremy O'Harris and Teresa Rebeck, as well as six brand new plays that were selected from amongst hundreds of submissions. The festival will be held online on Monday, July 29th at 7.30 p.m. and live streamed from Red Bull's site, Facebook, and the YouTube. 
Also, following last week's news of Six doing a drive-in theater tour kind of thing in the UK, on Friday, the longest-running show in the world, the West End production of Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap, announced that it would reopen on Friday, October 23rd. I mean, good for you, but screw y'all. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. (laughs) I'm happy for it, I really am. Yeah, delighted. Thrilled and delighted. Someday. Someday. Uh, All right, I got two recommendations, one of them of the feel-good variety, one of them not so much of the feel-good variety. The first is not so much feel-good, but incredibly important, and it comes from our friends over at Token Theater Friends. Deep Tran wrote a brilliant article about the power that artists have when they stop being afraid of ramifications, whether it is in terms of speaking up against sexual harassment or unsafe work environments or specifically racism in a lot of cases. She goes through a number of examples that have happened since lockdowns have have sprung up across the country and she talks about how the coronavirus pandemic brought what was truly important to these artists into a sharper focus and you know this is something actually that we have seen both in terms of theater and in sports where especially college athletes are speaking out about racism and safety as they are being brought back to campuses Mm. in order to start um, getting ready for the upcoming college football season Um, and while these lockdowns And quarantines obviously suck in ways large and small. Ashley, we have been talking from the beginning about this potentially being a time for theater to change. Right. But I think, admittedly, and this is probably part of our our privilege, we were a little overly naive in thinking that the powers that be would be at all interested in doing that on their own. So I am grateful for these people for putting their careers and perhaps even more on the line to speak out about these things and to force these powers that be to make changes that they clearly would not have been willing to do on their own. Yeah, that's a tale as old as time, unfortunately. I I think you're right. I think there is a level of naivete of like, wow, we're going to change everything and we have all this time to do it. But I mean, we're still (laughs) don't have any influence. The people who have all the influence, as I've, you know, said talking about, you know, Scott Rudin last week, just like, are the people at the top going to be willing to make changes? And so far, the answer is a resounding no. So for artists and writers and anyone else, any creative of color stepping up and saying, Things are going to change, uh, and we're going to make the change, and, you know, damn whoever isn't part of that, and we might, we, we, we will very likely face retribution for that in some way in our career is uh, awful and necessary and brave as hell. Yeah, absolutely. All right, the other recommendation that I have is a much more uplifting thing, and it revolves back around Hamilton. If y'all remember from the Hamilton mixtape, uh, or maybe it was the Hamil drops, I can't remember, but Weird Al Yankovic did a Hamilton polka, um, in which he did kind of a medley of songs from, or snippets from a bunch of different songs. Now that the Disney Plus capture is out there, he released a music video, um, yes. of the Hamilton <laughs> polka that has clips from the actual show with the cast members apparently lip syncing to the polka. Obviously they're not, Mm -hmm. uh, but it lines up perfectly. It's hilarious. So check that out. All right. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, I did two other streaming theater things uh, over the weekend. In addition to Hamilton, one I loved 
One, I was super underwhelmed and disappointed Ooh, with. okay. Unfortunately, I'm going to start with uh, the one that I was disappointed with. And this one was Binge from uh, the La Jolla Playhouse. And I believe that this is something that Maximu had actually talked about when it was just one person, um, like, who would talk to you and then come and suggest a, uh, an episode of Sex in the City with you and then, like, okay. watch it with you. I think that this is related. But either way, how it works is is you sign up and then they send you this questionnaire that takes probably at least a half an hour to 45 minutes to fill out about questions that relate to certain TV shows. And the, what they say they're going to do is take your answers, match you with somebody, one of their experts, and then after you meet up with them on Zoom, they ask you some more questions, then they recommend an episode of TV for you to watch based off of the mm. things that you talk about. It's not about like your TV preferences, it's more about questions about your life. They're trying to find things that will speak to you in the situation that you're living in. Unfortunately... I got somebody who thought that the, the I got an expert on the franchise, the Flavor Flav um, reality oh show oh franchise, and um, going through these conversations, uh, that they, they were uh, this this person, and I don't remember her name. I'll be honest with you, but um, you know, she couldn't even come up with a single episode. She's like watch this person throughout the series. And I'm like, I'm not watching the whole series to watch this one person. So it was super underwhelming. It was not what I thought it was going to be. I'm, I was really disappointed in that being one of the options like that. When I sign up to, for you to recommend a, a television episode, I don't want to watch flavor of love. Like that's not something I mean, that they, I would have. They don't know that. Well, I, I wish that they would have given me at least some control over to yeah. say that this is the type of things that I'm interested in. Um, that would be, that would, yeah, that sounds like it would definitely improve. And and even if that, and and even if that was the case, give me an episode. If that's what you're advertising, give me an episode. Don't tell me watch this. And then, oh, watch the first episode of every season is something else that she Mm. said to me or watch this other unrelated. It was very disappointing. Um, maybe my answers just weren't good enough to give her something to focus on, but was super underwhelmed. It was very much not what I anticipated. Um, but if it sounds like something you're interested in, I've got a link for you. Some of the other shows that they asked mm. questions about were like The Simpsons, um, Gilmore Girls, uh, a bunch of Star Trek stuff. Um, uh, Sex in the City was in there, of course, as well. And, and there were a few other things, but that's that. Now, the one that I loved came from the old Vix in camera series. And this was ah, yes. Lungs, which was supposed to be at BAM. Um, Either right. over this spring or over this summer, featuring Claire Foy and Matt Smith, who, of course, starred together in the first few seasons of The Crown. Matt Smith is also a former doctor on Doctor Who. I believe he was 11. See, the Yeah, he was the 11th Smith, doctor. Yeah, yeah. He's the 11th doctor. And what was – I didn't know what this was. I did not read up enough about how this was going to happen. But it only ran from um, June 26th through July uh, July 4th. But they did it live, and they also had multiple sh- performances on weekends, and they had, so they had matinees. Um, but what they did was it was on the stage of the old Vic. This was not a quarantine, you know, Zoom production, although that is how you watch it is via Zoom. They were on stage at the old Vic, but there was no lighting. There was no very little, just a couple little platforms. Yeah. There was no no props or anything. It was just them doing the show and there were camera people 
and they had a one camera basically on each person the whole time. And the way that the mm. cameras were edited, I there were times when my brain just forgot it. They weren't actually sitting next to each other, so everything is socially distanced. Um, everything is done, you know, super well. And of course, with those two stars in a show that was highly acclaimed over in London, it was a yeah. great, great production. I would absolutely see it again if they do eventually bring it over to the states um but it was beautifully done this is something this was the first edition of a series that the old vic is going to be doing so i will right. definitely yeah. be trying to jump on their tickets for these things in the future um lungs sold out like super fast you had to sit in like a super long queue that's to get in there. that's what i was gonna ask you because i saw you and yeah. helen shaw as well mm-hmm. be like we're not we're not tweeting the link out yeah. well no we tweeted it <laughs> out tweeted after it out. Yeah. we got our tickets because exactly. what happened was is i couldn't get in originally like I was like 7,500 people deep and I was like, well, screw this. I'm not going to sit and watch. But then they released more and Helen Shaw – actually, Adam Feldman tweeted about there being more. Then Helen Shaw retweeted it and then I jumped on it and oh, we all tweeted that, yeah. it after we got our own. <laughs> um, but it was well worth it. I would highly recommend. And it's a, it's a beautiful show. Um, and uh, But I was just really super impressed. I don't know anything about it. So that's very Yeah, exciting. I didn't either. Yeah, so I would highly recommend that. Um, and I've got a bunch more. I've really kind of like gone in on buying tickets to just about everything. I got tickets to the other palaces, um, songs for New World in a few weeks. I've got a few Heroes of the Fourth Turning. Uh, yeah. I've got a few, uh, play, play purview, including Heroes of the Fourth Turning. Yeah. I've got some stuff locally. Um, so I'm really like you at the beginning when you're talking about Hamilton scratching that theater itch. Um, mm. I need it. I need it right now. So I'm trying to get in as much as I possibly can. That's I, you had a very busy theater weekend. I did mm-hmm. not. I did Hamilton, and then I watched bad movies all weekend. So <laughs> I watched. I, I, I did wa- the opposite. <laughs> I, I watched Hamilton um, about one and a half times, um, uh-huh. and then I also watched the first act of Sunday in the Park with George. So. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. That's next for me. Now yeah, that I'm on Broadway HD now, now. Yes, I know, of course. Uh, now that I you know, spent my weekend watching Bloodsport one through three, now I can get back to theater. Yeah. Is that Jean Claude Van Damme? <laughs> uh, yes, of course okay. it's Jean Claude Van Damme. In the first one. Oh, not in all of them? No, sadly. sadly. Really regrettably. Okay, so we're going to we're gonna move on now, but that is all <laughs> that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWBat. Ashley, where can people find you since you are tweeting in the mm. middle of our show right now? I, I was a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley, which means you went to Twitter too, by the way, to know that. No, all it means is that I have multiple monitors and one of them is up on Twitter. Mm. Uh, and I saw it two minutes ago. But anyway, everybody, have a wonderful Monday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>